Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official station of the Spurs. I am Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got Ken's Five digital sports reporter Tom Petrini. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm good, Jackson. How are you? You know, I just have one question for you as we get this started. Do you believe in moral victories? I think you have to for this Spurs season, especially this start of the Spurs season. Yeah. You know, two and one and two in the standings, three and zero in your hearts. Uh, we're here to break down how we got to this point here, the first week of action, and of course, we're going to have positives, concerns, overreactions throughout the ep- sprinkled throughout the episodes. So your your, uh, your spices through this, you know, the spice must flow for everyone who saw uh, Dune. <laughs> so uh, we'll have some spiciness here. That's for you the one guys. about the worm, right? Yeah, you know, I think it's a you know, six hundred meters long. I think is what they say, but wow. uh, yeah, it, it's some weird. worm. I, I kind of want a different podcast where you ask me questions about Dune and me having never seen or read <laughs> any of the Dune stuff answer them. I saw a, a Twitter thread on that that gave me some great energy. Do, do you know what Spice is? Uh, yeah, it's the only thing I want to put on my food. Slash <laughs> any, any food without proper seasoning, I just, I just can't tolerate. So I you, you would like importance. Dune then. Dune is a well seasoned movie. So. All right, <laughs> all right. That's, that's enough. That's enough. Dune. We, we, we were watching other things on the TV as well. Um, you know, the Spurs. Um, three games in the season. They had the game against the Magic. They won that one, and then two back to backs against I think what people would consider some of the best teams in the league. So a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's start with the Magic game. You know, a season opener. They won that one, uh, 123 to 97. I think we were all feeling really good after that win, and then it turns out, you know, the Magic are maybe one of the worst teams in basketball right now. Mm-hmm. Still a lot of positives from the victory, right? You still are happy to take home a victory in that situation. For sure. And one thing that I'm paying attention to with this Spurs team is how they perform in the take care of business games, yeah. as I like to call them. You know, uh, past couple of years, they've had regrettable losses where you're looking back at the end of the year and saying, man, they really shouldn't have lost that game. And this was one of those games and they controlled it pretty handily. Yeah. Um, and you always love to see that. And also, I mean, Devin Vassell, uh, he he propelled a run there in the in the third quarter of that game that basically put this game out of reach, um, and crowd was feeling it. He was making a lot of big plays, and as the clock was winding down, he ran to the corner in transition, and you know before the ball like balls being passed to him, and the crowd is already going nuts because they know he's going to hit the three and he yeah. does, um, and so. A really solid all-around opener. We had seven Spurs in double-figure scoring um, and really sort of reinforced the idea that, you know, this is a team that is going to come at you from a lot of different angles. Uh, Jakob Pertl, his passing in this game, spectacular. Um, you know, and it's not like he's he's doing the most, you know, incredible Pau Gasol from the top of the key passes. He He's making solid reads though yeah uh it's not going to be incredibly flashy stuff but it's going to get the job done for a lot of these guys cutting off the ball yeah uh, i think game one is a good way to see who this team is sure we we've had three games of preseason four games of preseason three games of preseason however many preseason games we had to kind of look at this team but it's really you know the first minutes of actual 
basketball that counts, you know? And I, I liked how the, the ball was moving through the interior guys. Not just Pirtle, but Eubanks had some good assists too. Jock Landale in his first NBA minutes had a beautiful pass to Doug McDermott, uh, who set, uh, setting him up for a great shot there, um, you know, as he was cutting into the basket there. It, it, this team led the league in screen assists after that game. They, they're still maintaining that high level of screen assists, you know, uh, passes out of the screen that leads to baskets. You know, I think we're going to see that throughout the season as well. Pirtle being a guy who is becoming a focal point of this offense, not just for what he does shooting, uh, not for what, not, I mean, assists are definitely a big part of that. Uh, maybe the best offensive rebounder in the game, and we saw that on full display against the Magic. He came so close to a triple-double. You know, a few more assists, but, uh, I, you know, those, those are Westbrook numbers, I guess. But uh, he, he's just a fantastic offensive rebounder. Those second-chance points are very big for the Spurs this year, especially um, especially if we're going to shoot three-pointers the way they are doing that. We'll talk about that later. And we've got many uh, overreactions to talk about later as well, but I just want to throw one overreaction I had uh, from this game. Uh, and that's that Devin Vassell needs more minutes than Lonnie Walker. Uh, but uh, I think we've seen over the last three games that maybe Lonnie still has a big part to play. Uh, why, why pit two good players against each other, you know? Because there's only you're so just, many minutes to go you're around, just, right? You're just causing drama, Jackson. <laughs> no, I, I think that they're both going to be really fun to watch on that second yeah. unit. Um, but Vassell, I mean, what we're seeing with him is a continuation of what he was doing in the summer league where, mm-hmm. you know, his his rookie year in the league, it was basically... Play, play good defense, take shots when you're open kind of thing. Don't do too much, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but now he's definitely uh, going a lot deeper into his bag uh, for some of these shots where, I mean, he, multiple times. Before he went on that big third quarter run, he made some shots where watching you were like, okay. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily new, but it's something he he wasn't doing with regularity uh, last year, and it's something he wasn't doing with consistent execution in summer league. You know, he would get to his spots, but not hit the shot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, leading scorer for the Spurs in that game. So you know, if if Demar Derozan wasn't playing so well in the Windy City, I might have thought that Devin Vassell like space jammed him on his mm-hmm. way out of town because that's kind of who he kind of. I don't know. It, it felt almost like a mirror to what some of the things Demar da, did during the game. I mean. It didn't stick. The ball didn't stick when it got to Vassell as much as it would with Demar. But those mid-range shots he was getting, the the creation that Vassell was finding, you know, very very similar. I think in that in that regard. I think he was really decisive off the catch mm. um, and made a lot of quick fakes uh, before he even put the ball on the floor. Yeah. That is helping him get past defenders. Um, but I mean. Yeah, last last year he would not have been a guy who, you know, all right, clear it out and let him create space for yeah. his own shot. And we're seeing some of that. Um, and it's it's something that, you know, as, as he continues to try that, as his teammates continue to encourage him to do that, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do in that more ball-dominant role. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I mentioned the first time you get to see them playing meaningful minutes of basketball, but it's also the first time to, to see them put their money where their mouths is, if you will. You know, all offseason they talked about this is a team that was going to play with energy, that was going to play with pace, that was going to take more three-pointers, that was going to keep a simple offense together. Uh, I think they hit some of the marks there. You know, clearly the energy was there. Clearly the simple basketball was there, the pick and rolls. You know, they're not really going to, to set plays as much this season. Um I was a little concerned to see the pace, you know, and I know pace is a stat, an analytical stat that is, uh, that is, um, I guess, requires both teams 
participation, if you will. Uh, that that Magic Spurs game is the third slowest game of the season so far. You know, for in basketball, you know, one week in. Um, I think the Spurs. That's an outlier. You know, the Spurs, I think, played a little faster than maybe we, than they did last year. But still, the number of possessions they had was was pretty low for the game. So one thing that, and you're not the first person to say this, I think it's an interesting conversation about, you know, the idea of pace and what the statistic pace actually mm. measures. So when you, when you talk about the Spurs wanting to play with pace, wanting to get out in transition, they're doing that. They're... I think fourth in the league as far as uh, points off of opponent turnovers. Um, they're, they're pushing the pace when they get opportunities to. Mm. But the flip side of the coin is this is a team that, as Pop and as everybody has pretty much acknowledged, like, you know, they don't have that go-to guy. Yeah. Um, so sometimes the offense is going to bog down or they're just going to have to work for the entire shot clock yeah. to – get a quality shot if they do so they have those those moments where force a turnover or get a a rebound and a quick outlet and they're they're moving um and that part is like you know they're using their speed in bursts yeah right um but on a team like this you don't necessarily want them taking a ton of shots early in the clock like you don't want this to be a seven seconds or less team unless they're you know, good open looks and transition from either three-point range or layups. Yeah. Those are the early shots that you want these this team taking. But other than that, I mean, they, they might grind out possessions. So I think when we have this conversation about pace, it's important to, you know, think about the math equation, right? You've, you've got, you know, th- the number of possessions per game yeah. per 48 minutes. That's, that's how you measure pace. And, uh, you know, so so there are going to be portions where the Spurs are playing very fast, where you know Dejounte or Derek or whoever has forced a turnover has got the ball moving the other way, and they're hunting for those quick shots in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they don't want to get into those half court sets. This team is, and any basketball team is going to be more effective in transition. So the more this team can get in tr- tr- transition, the better. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm personally not concerned that like they're playing too slow, right? Gotcha. I think it's it's more just a way that they're measuring that. And in the transition to Dejounte Murray has been elite earlier on the season. You know, 1.5 points per possession in the transition is, is a top five in the NBA right now. Uh, so anytime he can get on the run, and he's had his chances this season, I feel like he. I mean, anecdotally, I feel like he is getting more transition buckets than he is buckets in the half court set. You know, he's finding other guys, and that's just kind of the role he's taking on as the point guard here, the de facto kind of leader with the ball uh, as well. Uh, as, when you, you mentioned no go-to guys on this team, I mean, it feels like in the next game they played versus the Nuggets, they really could use one of those. Um, you know, going down to the Nuggets, uh, 102-96, the first game on the road uh, out in Denver, did you feel like this team kind of hit a wall without without a go-to go score like DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge or, I mean, even going back as to Kawhi Leonard, there's always been a guy over the last few years that these guys have played with who, who's the one getting the buckets in the fourth. I mean, Keldon finished this game with 27 points. You know, he, he was, if, if there was a go-to guy in this game, it was him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that at the end of the day, this game came down to you're playing against the MVP and he's making ridiculous shots. Yeah. Like, like Jakob Pertl, uh, 
shout out to that man really quick on in the span of 24 hours guarding the last two MVPs of the league uh, and doing a bang up job and and they just do things that you say damn you know like like there's just nothing you can do it's unfair that Jokic was able to add like a Dirk Nowitzki to his game and it's yeah. unfair that Giannis is now hitting three pointers like, yeah that's what what are the just, you know Jakob Pearl has no chance guarding Jokic when he's doing that fade away nobody with does. leg up so, no yeah. nobody can guard that sambo shuffle man like that's that's just gonna happen to you yeah um, but I I think that something that was really encouraging about what the Spurs did in this game was you know every time the Nuggets looked like they were going to try to extend the lead the Spurs were like nah we're staying here yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think I tweeted after the game like that this team has no quit, you know? They're mm-hmm. going to win more blowout games like they did versus Magic than they lose blowout games because they're not going to let teams go on a run and keep it that way. They're always going to fight back in this, and that's yeah. what they did versus the Nuggets. And and I think part of that is the balanced attack, right? Mm. You know, the the flip side of not having a go-to scorer is that, you know, and this is something Pop has talked about a lot, They he said this has to be one of the most together teams mm. that I've ever coached, you know? Um, and, like, when, when Greg Popovich says something like that, your ears perk up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and one one thing that I think is very interesting um, is, you know, we came from the beautiful game era, right? And we we all know about the, the type of basketball that was played. Um Basically, as Kawhi came into his own, that sort of was broken down in favor of more of an isolation-heavy game. Yeah. Um, And we're not seeing that with this team. We're seeing a ton of assists. We're seeing a good job done uh, limiting turnovers for how much the ball is moving and how, uh, you know, like how much of a dearth of talent, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for a young team, for a growing team, for a team with question marks about how they're going to make their plays, uh, they've been making plays for each other. And, and that's really fun to watch as a basketball fan. So, um, you know, I, I think that the, the, the question of who's going to step up tonight, uh, it's, it's, I think, an exciting thing for the guys in the Spurs locker room. Yeah. And I think it's a confusing and confounding thing, maybe, for the guys in the opposing lock- locker room because, you know, it's like, okay, where are they going to come at us from? Yeah, it's been three games. It's been three different lead scores. And any guy can go off on this team. It'd be nice if, like, Keldon went off at the same time Doug McDermott went off. But, you know, that's the way it goes. It's, it's funny. You mentioned um, togetherness and the word together used by Pop. And it reminded me, the way you said it, the, the, the together, you know, the, it had to be together, reminded me of this video. I don't know if you've seen it. And this is such a tangent. I'm sorry. Um, Deep cut. If you are familiar with the band Focus and the song Hocus Pocus by the band Focus, <laughs> it's a 70s band, prog band. There is a video of them on YouTube playing a live song. And you, please go Google Hocus Pocus by Focus and watch the video. Um, but the woman introducing this band says, and now one of the most together bands of the 70s, Focus with their song Hocus Pocus and the band plays and it is one of the most insane like 70s prog jams you can there's flutes involved there's yodeling involved but the thing is everyone in that band all four of them has such 
amazing, unique talents and the way that they come together and put those talents on display as, as parts weaving out, there's drum solos, then they cut to the guy yodeling and then there's a flute solo. It's, it's, it's all spectacular, but that's the Spurs. The Spurs are hocus pocus. Who's, the, focus. who's the flute player? Oh my God. The flute player is definitely Keldon. Or, no, Keldon, Keldon, well, so the flute player and the yodeler Keldon's are the same yo- guy. Keldon's yodeling and playing the flute. The same guy, but yeah, the, definitely like there's some, some Keldon and energy in that whole thing. But anyways, Hocus Pocus by Focus. I digress. Uh, <laughs> you do. <laughs> you did. Oh, man. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, only on the Big Fun Pod can you find conversations <laughs> like that. Um, what else did you want to take away from this? I feel like, you know... The front court depth of the Spurs was tested early on. You know, there was some foul trouble. Anytime you're guarding Jokic, you're, you're going to get into foul trouble because you maybe have to be a little physical or maybe he's a little crafty in the same way that we're seeing guys like James Harden or Steph Curry in, in the last few years be crafty and drawing fouls. Really good at that. But Pirtle got into foul trouble early on. We saw Eubanks come in. Uh, we saw Thad Young play a little bit at the center position as well against him as well. Uh, what, what did you take away from what the Spurs have there? Because I feel like that was a weakness last year. Yeah, um... Center depth was a weakness, and I think will continue to be a point of interest mm-hmm. uh, for for the Spurs and their fans moving forward. Uh, Eubanks had a really solid preseason. Yeah, uh, I think he's been fine in the start to this season. Um, but really, what we're looking to see is can either Jock Landale or Thad Young basically clear that bar? Yeah, where it's like this guy should be the backup center. Um, And obviously tough timing for Landale with getting a concussion, kind of heading into the season. He's had minimal minutes here. That that backup center job seems pretty solidly Drew Eubanks at this point. Um, And, I mean, anybody is going to have a tough time guarding Jokic without fouling. Yeah. Um, And Drew... Like he's he's a solid effort guy always. Uh, he's he's not going to back down from anybody, um, but he's definitely more suited for second units. And and when you uh, when Jakob Pertl is guarding the other team's star player, it's not going to happen uh, on most nights. Yeah. Um, and you know I'm I'm sure there are Spurs fans who are like, oh, you know. Jokic does this every time to Pirtle gets him in foul trouble. That's just what he does. Yeah, that's you know, his game. That's yeah. that's Jokic being a special player. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough for the Spurs on nights when Yak does get into foul trouble. Uh, we we saw him in in the next game against the Bucks. He's guarding Giannis the whole time. Uh, and it was it was religious. Every every time Giannis is out of the game, Yak's out of the game taking a breather. Every time Giannis comes back in, Yak's going out there to guard him. Um, so, I mean, we're we're going to see some of that with with Pirtle. And I mean, foul discipline is going to be a big thing. A lot of times, there's nothing you can do though. And he actually, uh, you know, participated in getting Giannis into some foul trouble that almost swung that game the Spurs' way. So. Yeah, I mean, that was the. The Spurs were able to take the lead again when Giannis had to sit out for a huge swath of a third quarter there. And that's on Jakob for doing that. Of course, they, they do drop the game. Unfair to have to fly back from Denver to San Antonio and play the defending champs that night, even if they don't Not have fun. Brooke Lopez. Not a fun situation Not to fun. be in. They dropped that game 121 to 11. I mean, a little concerning about the defensive rating of 117.5 in that game. But again, this is the defending champions. They're really good at basketball. And they were hitting shots. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, 
One one thing that was constant for the Spurs against both the Magic and uh, the the Nuggets was they limited uh, both the number of attempts and makes from three point range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Bucks game, I think the Bucks shot you know fifteen of thirty something. It was it was like forty three percent from three, and a lot of that done in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they it was a, it was a three or four point game heading into the fourth, hanging with the national champs on the back end of a back to back, on a night when, by the way, players not named Doug McDermott uh, <laughs> shot like three of twenty eight yeah. from three. Not, not for, good for the Spurs. Um, and I mean, in the Nuggets game too, they shot six of twenty four from three, in the Nuggets game. Um, so like, if you have even an average shooting night. You you can feasibly win both of those games, yeah. Um, and and that's something that the guys have been talking about is, you know, we want to hit more shots. We've been putting in work to hit more shots. We trust that we will. Um, but also, that's the thing about basketball, right? You know, like if you've ever if you've watched for a long time or if you've ever played it, you know that you can do everything right on a basketball play and set the right screen and have the guy make the right cut. And get the ball in the right spot on the right pass and make the right shot, and it'll just doot doot and not go in the hole. Yeah, it's just the way it. I mean, that's that's the game. There was one shot from Dejounte that was in. That was in, and it hit the the interior of the rim like three or four times, and it just careened out, you know, a little bit there. So uh, yeah, sometimes that happens. Right, and um, is is it fair to be concerned about like oh the guys not named Doug need to be shooting better? Sure, yeah, uh, I think through. We're, we're going to get to dive into that one a little bit here later on. But, yeah, no, it, I mean, it'd be nice if more people were hitting shots, I think. And the thing is, right. shoot or shoot, eventually you're going to start making them, right? right? How good of a fit has Doug McDermott been three games into this? Gorgeous. Beautiful. I mean, oh, my God. He's not so as splashy as signing as John Collins. No. He's cheaper than John Collins, but really seems to fit what this team wants to do. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see tonight what happens when you're playing a team like the Lakers where their front court has – if he's playing tonight, LeBron James and then Anthony Davis and then uh, DeAndre Jordan, like, yeah. do you have Doug McDermott guard one of those guys? Do you have Derek White guard up? I'm interested to see what happens there. But as far as the offense goes, uh, we've, we've talked about this half-court offense for the Spurs, and, I mean, he's a godsend for them where you're, they're going to have a lot of possessions that just, you know, kind of peter out and there's a lot of side-to-side motion in what they're trying to run and I mean he's just a relentless and purposeful mover yeah um everybody talks about his shooting and yeah in that in that Bucks game he had career high seven made threes seven of 11 pretty nice um but what really strikes me is just the way that he is Always moving to dangerous spots, not just beyond the three-point arc. Um, and, you know, Pop has said, like, he sets a high bar for us with that little stuff that he does really well. Yeah. I mean, it's been so much fun watching him kind of quickly get integrated with the team there. I want to talk about the good and the bad and the wild from these first three games, but I just got one more question for you. Looking back at these three games, we've talked about what the team has done on the court. How would you grade Coach Pop? What, what, how has he done with the rotations, getting people integrated? Have you liked what you've seen from him? I have. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's, been, um, it's been a matter of uh, 
you know, putting guys in the right spots and, um, you know, he has them operating with a lot of freedom. He has yeah. them taking a lot of initiative for themselves, which, I mean, that's a coaching thing, right? Yeah. Um, and the guys have talked about sort of the randomness. Um, there, there are obviously some questions that I think we'll get into here about, you know, should Primo be playing more? Should Thay Young be playing more, especially if they're trying to trade him? Um, you know, plenty of valid questions. Yeah. But um, I think for the most part, when you look at these games, I mean, they're trying to win games against some of the best teams in the NBA. Um, and, you know, so so if your quibbles are about, like, who's getting bench minutes, like, you know, okay, like, we're, you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> It's pretty um, far down the uh, the food chain there uh, yeah. in terms of things. And, and I, I think he's been, you know, like understanding and, and like he knows he's average age of this team is like 25 years old. Yeah. You know, uh, he understands it's a learning and growing thing, even though he did take a timeout, I think in the magic game. Yeah, it was it was a magic game. It was the first game of the season. Uh, somebody went drew drew Eubanks kind of dropped in a yeah. pick and roll and uh they gave up an open three, and I'm pretty sure Pop called timeout just to scream into Drew Eubanks' face for about 30 seconds until he got tired. Uh, and Drew's just, like, looking up, taking it. But, I mean, there's there's also this understanding that, like, and and it's been that way for Pop for a long time, where it's like, we go, we play, we win, we lose, you know, we'll figure it out uh, as long as we're, you know, together and doing that effort part of it. So yeah. um, I think that the identity that they've been able to build speaks to the coaching. I think that, um, you know, he, he's really happy that, and he said this multiple times, that they're executing the things, they're doing the things that they know they need to do, we know we need to do to win basketball games. Um, and just the way his guys are talking, the way they're playing, um, I, I think speaks to his coaching. Yeah, and most nights you'll get to do those things against teams that are worse than the defending champions and the Denver Nuggets, who were one of the best teams in the West last year. Uh, I, I have to commend Pop for not resting players. You know, he, mm. you know, I know it's early in the season. He spoke to it early in the season. They're a young team, but back to back after a road trip, a quick road trip, flying back here, everyone played in the Bucks game. You know, he he didn't sit and he went out, and you know that's that goes a long way to building that that kind of. The, the nature of the team, what you want this team to be, the, the, the kind of mantra, if you will, that they're going to play with. And, um, you know, so I, I think that was a really good move on his part. I liked the timeout he called there. I felt like it really kind of kept the, the momentum in our favor in that Magic game. And, you know, it, he, he's been able to do things like when Giannis is out, felt like the tempo really kind of picked up in the Bucks game. And so I think that all comes from Pops. As you're saying, you know, the moves he's making there are, are speaking to what this team's going to be. And one and two is, is not the best record you want to speak up. There are plenty of teams in the NBA who are better than that and worse than that. But also, you know, early on in the season, that's not generally reflective of who you are. So right. early, early sample size in that sense. Yeah, and schedule matters. Context matters. Exactly. And if they go one and three after losing to the Lakers tonight, you know, I don't think that's sound the alarm bells like should they fire pop time, you know, like uh, although I'm sure somebody will say it. But like, you know, context is important. And I think pop is rightly proud of his team and the way that they have played in the context. Yeah. Um, early sample size, but still. I think there's plenty of things here to, uh, to offer in terms of the good, the bad, and the wild. I want to know positives, concerns, 
overreactions from the three first three games. We're going to weigh in on these, starting with uh, what we were just talking about, the team identity as a positive. You know, this team, the Spurs team this year is all hustle, um, all energy. They're not going to give up. They're not going to quit. And <laughs> from a viewer perspective, they are fun. You yes. know, that I, I can't... I mean, as much as I liked the DeRozan-Aldridge pairing and those guys off the court, a lot of those games weren't fun. Um, what do you think about the, the identity this team has built so early on and um, moving ahead through the season? Is that going to win them some games? I think it's really cool to see just the uh, the energy that these guys play with. The um, You know, it's, it's raw. It's, yeah. it's like, you know... It's like kids playing a kid's game, you know? And when you combine that with the, you know, sort of multi-pronged offensive approach and the principles that they play with, right? This is something that, you know, we've been talking about a little bit, but, like, it's not really set plays. It's just, you know, they they have their, their main principles on both ends, you know, be aggressive on defense, force turnovers, get out in transition, set screens, cut space the floor, pressure the rim. And and they're just, you know, doing that. Yeah. And um you know, when when you have that style and you had couple that with the identity of, you know, we're just going to hustle the whole time. Um you know, that that becomes dangerous. That becomes a team that can take care of business on nights when they need to and also punch up a little bit. Um, you know, especially against a team like the Lakers or the Bucks, where every other team has them circle on the schedule like we're going to give them their best punch. Spurs are going to give a lot of teams their best punch this year. Yeah. And on, I think a lot of nights, it's going to surprise people how enough that is. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a team with superstars. This isn't a team with all-stars. All apologies to Bryn Forbes. But um, you, beat, you beat superstars, you beat all-stars by, by bringing the energy on nights when they're not going to. We'll see what the kind of energy the Lakers have tonight. There's been bad juju, bad vibes surrounding that team early on in the season, and, and I'm looking forward to the matchup tonight. Speaking to that hustle as well, there's been very few times the ball has stuck, and I think that goes to the identity here. Uh, we were talking about so few ISO plays earlier on. I mean, if you go and look at the NBA advanced stats, and they break down stats per play type, um, we don't even meet the minimum threshold for like isolation plays to, to give stats. The Spurs don't meet the minimum threshold on post-up plays to provide advanced stats on that. Those are good signs for this team that it's wants to move the ball. It's right? different for it's, sure. It's different. And, you know, it's it's sort of what we were talking about with the, the transition away from DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge where these guys, you know, are – instead of basically being relegated to complementary roles around those more ISO post-up heavy players, you know, they're now getting the opportunity to create, which is fun. I mean, if you're one of the, the throng of Spurs fans who have been clamoring over the last few years to see the young guys play, that's what you're getting this year. So I hope you're enjoying it. I've got a concern to throw out you connected to that, you know, Energy is a thing that fades over time. Not all of us are the Energizer Bunny or Kelvin Johnson. Do you see the energy wearing off as the season progresses? And I'm thinking, like, even looking so far ahead that, you know, come January, we talked about the schedule uh, a few episodes ago, but they've got a 10-game road trip, a little break, and then another 10-game road trip right on the heels of that. That seems to be the, 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 the slog of the season in which you could see some of that energy fade. What does this team look like? if not energetic. So I think it's interesting to, you know, 
you, you look at where these guys are in their careers, yeah. right? They're all young. They've all got young legs. But they've all also been through it before, you know? Like, this is, this is not going to be anybody's first rodeo road trip. <laughs> uh, but for real, though, like, they're, they're going to have some experience. Uh, so they're, to me, they're in that range that's really good for longevity and, and maintaining the energy mm-hmm. where they're young enough that they're still, like, you know... Not, like you said, they're not all Keldon Johnson, but Keldon Johnson is there and he's screaming like <laughs> like a little kid. Uh, love it. All, always. There's just like a collection growing online of, you know, screaming Keldons. Uh, but they're, they're going to be able to maintain that, I think, and, and maintain the focus because, you know, you want to focus that energy, yeah. right? And there's, I think, going to be, you know, more of a level of comfort for a lot of these guys who are going on their second, third, fourth, fifth NBA season. Um, so, and and I think it's infectious, right? This is something that Devin Vassell said after that Magic game was, you know, when when one guy starts uh, going off, everybody's everybody's on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we saw it after one of those Devin plays where, I think Keldon actually like might have hurt his face <laughs> on Drew Eubanks because they're they're just both going crazy and I think he smacked his face on Drew Eubanks' shoulder. Uh, he seems to be fine, but uh, you know they're they're just bouncing off the walls, rooting for each other, which is really like I mean that's why we love sports, right? Like yeah. it's just it's just a really fun thing to to watch and and uh, you know be in the arena for. Like the the fans are getting into it, um, you know. They're they're going nuts on big plays. Doug McDermott threes in the air. There's like you know you you feel the the rise in the crowd and the the anticipation before it splashes in. It's fun, man. The chanting of "We want Primo," you yes. know, at the, at the end of the game. It's so, uh, and the, it's been both of the home games so far. The the people want Primo. So yeah. now, if Keldon Johnson is an energizer bunny, uh, Dejounte Murray is a slinky. You know, not only can he stretch out, you know, and cover the, you know, he's got the uh, such a long wingspan. He is such a havoc wreaker on the defensive side there. And, um, but sometimes a spring can be too tightly coiled, if you will. Uh, I, I'm concerned, and this is more of an overreaction. I mean, this is an overreaction. I think Dejounte is trying too hard. I think he's too tightly wound right now, um, trying to be the guy who replaces the leadership the Spurs have seen. I mean, he's the de facto leader. He's already the leader, regardless of what he does on the court, with the, what he does off the court with this team. Um, but I feel like as the primary ball handler and as the guy who is being kind of putting on his shoulders to, to take over, the, take the mantle for this team, there are just plays where I feel like you can just feel the tension, the feel the tension from him. Um, all anecdotal, all, you know, that's what an overreaction is, right? Just what I'm feeling, what I'm watching. Does he need to just chill a bit, you know? Does it, would that go a long way for him? I think he needs to be sort of on 10 a lot of the time for this team um, because he he is that guy that they're looking to, and he's initiating a lot of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, he's he's been focused on finding – his teammates. He's been focused on, you know, taking those pull-up three-point shots. Uh, he's hit like one of ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's but taking them. He's taking them, right? And uh, we'll talk about shooting in a bit, but, you know, law of averages, like, it's just good to see him creating that way. Um, I, I think that 
honestly, like, like the things I'm concerned about with uh, DeJounte are like, you know, getting, getting beat early in the game on backdoor cuts yeah. and, you know, stuff like that where, um, you know, because he is aggressive on defense, he sometimes has a propensity to, to guess wrong. Um, or just get caught flat-footed sometimes, um, and there's there's going to be a lot asked of him. Yeah. Um, so I honestly think he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. Shots will start falling, um, but he's still like near the top of the list. Uh, I think without question for this team, when you're when you're asking that question, who's going to get the ball in critical moments and be asked to make a play? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's still him. He's still one of the best in terms of uh, assist ratio in the league, too. And, I yeah. mean, I, a lot of the um, offense has been taken off his shoulders when they can get Pirtle involved. And having, you know, DeJounte and Derek White in the, same, on the, in the lineup at the same time has really kind of been a luxury through the career so far. And uh, getting a full season of that, I think, will be good for DeJounte as well. Um, with Derek and DeJounte on the court at the same time uh, in the starting lineup, that's been relegated. Uh, that's relegated Lonnie Walker uh, to to the bench role, and um, I think a lot of um, conversation heading into the season, a lot of expectation was him to kind of be the Manu light for this team, right? You know, kind of be that guy. And um, we saw, you know, as they didn't come to a contract extension agreement, that he kind of said, you know, his team was kind of banking on him to to kind of step forward this season. Uh, a positive I'm having so far in this season is I think that Lonnie Walker looks good in that role as the leader of the second unit. Um, he's hit just shots where you just kind of have to scratch your head. I don't know if, uh, you know, he's got like anti-gravity boots. I don't know if you ever played Tony Hawk pro skater, but there was a cheat where you could turn off gravity for a bit. And I feel like there are times where Lonnie Walker has the cheat code. He just floats um, and he contorts his body. Uh, his you know long skinny frame kind of goes in any direction he wants. Uh, a stat that I found today that I just was blown away by and that I'm very... Um, um, just very encouraged by is that Lonnie Walker is the best pick and roll ball handler uh, in in the league right now when it comes to scoring. Um, he, he's had averaging about four possessions a game when he is the ball handler in the pick and roll. Um, and when he shoots off the pick and roll as the ball handler, he's shooting at an effective field goal percentage of 80%. 75% of the time he's the ball handler in the pick and roll, he is scoring the basket. That's the best in the NBA, and that's amazing, and I'm that's happy for really him. That's really good. Yes. Um, There's a lot of detractors right now uh, surrounding that, but uh, I, I do think that Lonnie is, is he, stepping he's up. He's doing a great job getting to it in a variety of ways, too. Yeah. Like, he's, I think if, if the Spurs need a three-point shot and they, they need somebody to create that three-point shot off the dribble, I think the player that they're going to go to is probably going to be Lonnie Walker because uh, – he he's looked really smooth and comfortable uh, coming off of screens and and pulling up and hitting shots and also uh, he's got so much control now over his dribbling and attacking and driving where you know when he came into the league it was like he's got all this ability but like he needs to learn when not to go 100 miles an hour and you know change speeds and directions and and you know create advantages with that athletic gift and not just try to use it to overpower. Yeah. And he's doing that now. Um, really awesome to see. In that Bucks game, he had a couple of plays. like, And it was, it was the same layup going to his left, hanging in the air. And, you know, he did it twice in, in a couple minutes. And you're just sort of watching, and, and it's like, how is he still in the air right yeah. now? Like, you know, 
it's it's like that that slow mo in SpongeBob where it's like, how is this scene still going? <laughs> uh, but like, and and the control that he has while he's in the air now, um, you know, there there are plays where he'll lose it on the way up, and he's just there for so long that he can he can figure out how to get the ball in his hands and put it in the hoop before his feet touch the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, the shooting will come around for him. I think he's five of nineteen from from deep right now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is the role you want to see him playing, and I mean, he, he's doing well. He's taken the what the second most threes on this team behind McDermott. I think at this point in time, and yeah. while they're not following, he's taken that, and that's encouraging. What are you seeing from him as a uh, as a as a playmaker, as a ball handler, like as a, as a distributor in that second unit? I mean, he he's still I think got to. Uh, you know, work on taking the blinders off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he can turn simple reads into very special passes. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, in, increases the aesthetic part of it. Um, but I, you know, he, he's, he's also making some more advanced reads where um, you know, he's, he's throwing cross court passes yeah. and we're seeing less of the, you know, drive, 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 jump. Oh, that's not going to work. Where are my teammates? And he's got time up there, but not that much time. Yeah. So, uh, there's been less of that this year. There's been, I think a little, a little bit more, maybe trust in his teammates, uh, understanding placement and where everybody's going to be. Um, Still, some somewhere that I'm looking for him to continue to expand on as he becomes a more dangerous scorer. That's what his assisting is going to come from. It's going to come from drawing the defense and and making a decision. And he might have more assists of the guys whose passes were hitting the shots too, right? Yes. And um, you know that's that's the next concern. Guys not named Doug. Uh, yes. their, their shooting has been kind of woeful from the uh, the three point arc there. Twenty five percent to be exact. Nineteen of seventy five. That's that's not if good, and that's that's Doug. worse than uh, than than last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, is is that is that who this team is, or are they going to play better than that? You know, are they going to return to what they were averaging last year, which is about what thirty six percent, I think, from threes, thirty five percent from threes. I something think like yes, that. and also yes or no. <laughs> I think I asked a few <laughs> questions in there, but yeah, <laughs> no, <go on. laughs> but I I think that I mean, look, this is a team that doesn't have. Outside of McDermott and Forbes, who, I mean, Forbes is one of nine to start the year. He has not started hot. Um, You know, these are players who, for the most part, prefer to drive and attack the rim. Um, And they're all being asked to try more from three. And they Mm -hmm. all should be fairly average, I think, from three. And to start, they've been very below average in terms of executing the shot. So uh, just... Math wise, uh, I'm 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 confident that they're not going to have another three for twenty eight night for the non Dugs. Uh, like I just don't see that happening very much. It's encouraging to me to see, um, you know, they're they're taking more threes yeah. than they did last year. Um, the percentage has not been great, but they're generating good shots, and there is a willingness and an acceptance that we all need to take these. Um, so, I mean, like, like we said, like they're, they're winning games or, or getting close to winning games against the Nuggets and Bucks on, you know, on woeful shooting nights. If they can be even like slightly below average, better. 
Like, yeah, you know, if, if Forbes hits two more three-pointers, I think that Nuggets game is tied, right? Like, that's just the level they need to rise to. When, when they play at their average, you know, they're going to have that. I mean, I understand how, like, the math works, and I do think that. Uh, there is a little bit more concern to me that guys not named Doug <laughs> guys on name Doug aren't going to get this, the same quality of looks maybe that other that they were last year. You know, when you've got a guy like DeMar DeRozan <laughs> on your team who kind of takes some of the gravity, you know, that leaves um, – uh, I think you've got a little bit more distance between you as the shooter and the man guarding you. And without yeah. a guy like DeMar DeRozan um, – and we've seen, you know – Lonnie kind of takes some of the mantle there, and DeJounte takes some of the mantle there, but they're not they're not taking the same defensive gravity, the same defensive pull as you will. So I wonder if Good some point. of the shots, and I need to actually go back and look at more three-point shots the Spurs have taken and seen the distance between the defender and the shooter. I would just wonder what the looks are like, you know, the, if they're different. The gaps seem to be smaller definitely in the half court, mm-hmm. um, just in general, because they're looking for creases and trying to find them. And, um, you know, and NBA defenses are good. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, one of the guys we mentioned in that conversation about shooting uh, was Bryn Forbes, and, and he's the, the subject of the next overreaction here. Uh, given his play and the play of Josh Primo, who I, I will remind you, as I mentioned this, is perfect in terms of shooting, two for two in his shots. You, you, you kept going with that sentence. You could have ended it much earlier. Primo is perfect. <laughs> the end. No, um, it, it, should Popovich consider benching Forbes for Primo or giving Primo a little bit more of the, the minutes there. What, what do you think in that terms of over, in terms of that overreaction? I mean, I, I think that Forbes is obviously going to come around shooting wise. Um, but I also think that Primo offers more in terms of the other elements of the game. Um, I think that the things that he does are, I mean, like you, you want Lonnie mm-hmm. And you want Devin taking a lot of those primary opportunities off the bench. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to use Primo the way they used him at, at Bama last year, like, you know, space the floor and, you know, make plays when you can and, and play good defense, like, you know, he, he could do that and, and he would be effective at that. Um, he, could, he could also run some, run some offense for them. Um, but I, you know, I... I'm not ready to say like you know uh, Bryn needs his his playing time cut. If 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 something like that happens, it will be because you know Primo is impressing. Um, and there there may be games where it's like you know a a guard has the night off and Primo will get more minutes. Um, I'm excited for any Primo minutes though because yeah. any any time there's even a chance he's going to get in the game, AT and T Center's live. It's fun. He was at the center of what I thought was one of the most encouraging plays from the Bucks Spurs game. Um, garbage time, obviously. He gets in for the, the last you know, 90 seconds of the game uh, and only gets really two possessions on offense there. But on the last possession of the game, there's two seconds left on the clock, and he's in, and someone takes a shot, and it misses. He sneaks in, gets the rebound, and just has a beautiful floater layup that just kind of scores a meaningless basket for the team. But, you know, that goes back to the identity, the energy, the hustle, the never quitting. Primo's already embodying everything that this team is is trying to embody. Um, I I think he's um, just one of the most encouraging Spurs young players we've seen in the last few years in terms of, like, this quickly, he's got it figured out. Um, I think, you know... There was some of that when we first saw Keldon in the starting lineup. We were like, oh, 
whoa, hold on. This guy's 15 games into his Spurs career, his career in the NBA, and he he's already starting and looking good with the minutes he's getting and, and is a difference maker. Uh, Forbes, I mean, Primo could be a difference maker, but I think that doesn't come at the expense of Forbes. Um, Forbes has a role to serve and Primo, as you said, is going to have a different role with this team. Um, and the way a shooter gets out of a bad streak is to keep shooting. You yeah. know, it, it may suck to see Bryn Forbes take seven, three pointers a game when he's hitting one of them or none of them has been the case sometimes, but you know, he needs to keep shooting to, to figure this out. And it will surprise me if Greg Popovich decides to go with the rookie over the guy he's known for way longer. Well, I mean, it w- shout outs to Eric Salinas on Twitter for bringing this up, but it was what, 19 games before, 15 games before Tony Parker was 19 years think, old, thrown to the fire. I think or he said like five that. games. Five games? It's five, five games. games. So, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but that's a that's a case, you know, and right. when, that, when that does occur. But uh, I, I don't think that Primo's going to get the Parker treatment, mainly because there are other guys in this rotation. If DeJounte and Derek and Lonnie and Trey Jones in some minutes and Devin Vassell and, uh, and Forbes weren't the guys getting those minutes, then maybe you see the, the, the feet to the fire there for the rookie. But I, I, I don't see it happening. I think when the G League starts up, he, he's going to be uh, sent right there uh, for, for a few games. And he'll, he'll probably quickly prove that he is much better than this, than much better than uh, you know, overqualified to be on that G League team. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a guy who, um, oh, that was an overreaction, so we're going to go to a positive now. Um, the defense has been as advertised for this team. You know, I mean, we, we knew last year they were a good defense, better defensive team than, like, I think they were ranked 21st. Uh, th- when they had all the guys on the court and, uh, you know, were playing at their best, they were better than 21st. They're, they're clearly proving that this year as a top 10 defense in the league. I think right now they're fourth or fifth in terms of defensive rating. Um Jakob Pertl is still the second best defensive guy. I think pound for pound, dollar for dollar, the best defensive front court center uh, in, in the league. But for the Spurs team, I think it really starts with the backcourt. DeJounte Murray and Derek White are a problem <laughs> for, for opposing teams. They are um, long-armed and uh, willing to, to throw their body in front of plays. And, yeah. and um, it, it's, a, it's a struggle, I think, we've witnessed for three games for teams to find what they want, to, to, yeah. to, to control the offensive side there. And that's going to be a good thing for the Spurs. What, what have you seen from this defense? It's a defense that doesn't really have a lot of weak links. Mm-hmm. Like, starting unit, I guess you could say the weakest individual defender is Doug McDermott, and he's, he's been fine in the team concept. Yeah. Um, and, and when you have a defense like that anchored by Pirtle and you've got the talent and aggression, um, you know, they, they can afford to be more uh, aggressive and gamble more. Yeah. Um, and and they're, they're applying pressure. Um, Magic game, they forced 16 turnovers. And then against the Nuggets and Bucks, they forced 20 or more turnovers in both of those games. Um, and they, they're getting out and running when they do that. Yeah. So it's, it's been really cool to see because, you know, You've been watching this team. They've had guys uh, who who are solid individual defenders, but for the past couple of years, there have been too many not too solid defenders in the rotation for these guys to really play this style of team yeah. defense. There's a lot of switching, um, and the communication has been really nice. Um, can improve, but um, you know, guy, guys know where to be. They're helping each other. They're um, you know, communicating on screens and switching and doing a lot of really good basketball. Yeah. So, forgive me, I do not remember which uh, which Twitter handle shared this stat, but I think White and Murray are causing a um, 
causing a turnover one every five possessions, one every four and a half possessions, something like that. That's a really good number. <laughs> that's best in the NBA. Um, that's that's how this identity of energy and pace gets brought up too, is, is on that side. And so um, I, I think, you know, there isn't a lot of weak links. We're going to talk about how um, one of those weak links will be challenged tonight a little later on uh, versus the Lakers. But I do think in this game versus the Lakers as well, Russell Westbrook's going to have a really hard time um, because mm-hmm. I think the Jonathan Murray and Derek White are just going to be all over him. Uh, and there's not going to be a lot of open looks for him. Um, a concern kind of based on that, I think the defense has looked its worst in the minutes that Thad Young has played with this team, mm-hmm. which aren't, aren't very many, you know, but are you concerned that... Um, are you concerned with what you've seen from Thad Young on the court? And at the same time, are you concerned with how little you've seen him? Seen him? Yeah, it's it's more I'm concerned that I haven't seen him play enough because if if you're going to use him, yeah. That's one decision. If if you're going to have him out on the court, you know, cool, that's a, that's a decision. If you if you're going to try to trade him, that's another decision. But if you're going to not play him, then it is going to make it really hard to trade him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's something that I'll I'll be monitoring uh, moving forward. Um, you know, I he's a, he's a good basketball player. He's a good all around basketball player. Complementary skills that you know I think could benefit this team. Uh, he's a better defender than he's shown. Um, a lot of it is like you know just being in the wrong place. Um, but. You know, if, if you don't play, you don't get a chance to really develop that sort of chemistry and, and feel with new teammates. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the basketball that we, we've been watching has been overall very good. Mm-hmm. So I've been paying less attention to that. But, I mean, it's definitely something to watch. You know, in the, in the last few seasons, they've had situations that kind of mirror this in, in some ways. You know, think about like Damari Carroll. Who, who was going to be moved, right? Didn't want to be on this team. That for whatever reason, there were some organizational differences or, um, you know, just didn't fit in or wasn't a part of the Spurs plan. Uh, and the Spurs held him out and he ended up being a buyout candidate. You know, they ended up buying out his contract, right? I mean, like, and then you, similarly, Trey Lyles, you know, was a guy who just couldn't find his way into the rotation, ends up walking um, this, this offseason, um, just did not play last season for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, they could have used him. We talked about some of the front court weakness there. The, the thing is, Young should have more value than both of those guys yeah. did. Um, and, yeah, if, if the Spurs fail to extract value and basically wind up just having got the first-round pick and second-round picks back for DeRozan, it'll be, you know, something. But yeah, I mean, the, there were aspirations of, you know, maybe they could get a first-round pick. And it, it doesn't look that way right now. Yeah, I think so. I saw two seconds floated out for him, which, I mean, that, that's something, I guess. It's better than right. having to buy him out later on in the season. I, you just kind of wonder why there wasn't a trade before the season started. If you they know, were going to do this. If they are going to do this, exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe the offer wasn't there they're looking for. I, I still think maybe there's a team like Phoenix or Philadelphia who, who sees the season progress and, and wants to make a move for him. But at the same time, with the way the NBA works out, you can find guys on the buyout market. And that's what teams do, right? They wait for the buyout market. Um, that's how, you know, the, the Nets got LaMarcus Aldridge. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah. Um, our last overreaction. Um, the Bulls are 4-0. Patty is the dark horse for sixth man of the year. Are you concerned watching former Spurs succeed? Is, is that something? Should Was it too too soon to let Patty walk? You know, no, should he be there instead no, of No, I mean, I... 
I have reached a point, I think a lot of Spurs fans did, where it was like, yeah, I like this guy. I, you know, with Patty, love this guy. Yeah. You know, uh, but also time for something new I, I just for, you, for everybody. You got to enjoy it, right? right. You know, it, for what DeMar did, for what Patty did for the Spurs team and for the San Antonio, like, you know, it's, it's just been really fun to watch them do that. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, the new look bowls. Yeah. I, I'm, I love watching DeMar DeRozan. Um, shout out to the guy though, who two weeks ago had the foresight to look at the schedules and be like, Oh, Spurs are probably going to start one and three with this schedule and the Bulls are going to beat the Pistons twice and the Zionless Pelicans and the Raptors and start 4-0 and the discourse is going to be bad. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> you were Nailed correct. It. Bad um, discourse indeed. Uh, you know, the the Bulls are going to play some, you know, more competitive teams and, and uh I'm I am excited to watch them though league pass team for sure for sure um, I I don't think it's a a real big big deal though no you just gotta love to watch them you watch them succeed they're you know they're they're part of your system you know it's like you're rooting for former assistant coaches when they take over and win right. championships and everything all right I want to look ahead at the week uh, that we've got coming up you know we got, we play the Bucks again Saturday uh, we'll play the Bucks before the Bulls do speaking of that schedule uh, Mavericks Thursday but then tonight. Uh, we got the Los Angeles Lakers in the house. LeBron James is questionable. What difference does him playing make in this game? Is that a stupid question? A since little, he's I mean, like, yeah. a little different. Uh, I, I think the the reason for the why he's going to be so important is different than it's been for mm-hmm. most of the two decades that LeBron has been one of the best athletes on the planet. Uh, he's also now uh, just like a really accurate off the dribble three point shooter. Uh, cool. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, we cool talked... Cool that he just figured out how to do that. It goes back to, like, you know, Jokic adding to his game and Giannis added to his game. You know, it's just, a little, you know, unfair. Right, we, just stop. We like, talked about uh, chinks in the defense here. I think this is a game where that could be highlighted if he does play. You yeah. know, in terms of... you, You've talked about this plenty uh, off the mic, but who does Doug McDermott guard, you know? Yeah. if I mean, if if you're playing against a team that has LeBron at the three and Anthony Davis at the four and then a center... And Doug McDermott is your power forward. Like questions, yeah. I have questions. Do do they throw Thad Young in there for for defense? I don't know. That that seems at this point like it's probably not going to happen. But uh, you know, you you look at uh, a team that big, and I mean, like Keldon has the body to like guard up on LeBron. He could, I like he could guard AD. It, it would be really tough. Um, and then you've got the question of who guards LeBron then. And yeah. if it's Doug McDermott, I mean, kudos to him as an individual, like, like defender in that team, but like advantage LeBron yeah. always. I mean, um, I think to me, it makes most sense to probably slide him on Deandre Jordan because he's the guy who could like less feast on the mismatch, you know, in that sense, you know, uh, yeah. and then put Pearl on Davis and have Keldon on LeBron. A lot of help. A lot of help. Yeah. Um, but I also, I, I see the Spurs sticking with what's been working so far. Yeah. You know, switch, help out, let Pertl be the anchor there, um, force them into the mid-range. Um, be interesting to see on the defensive side. On the offensive side, three games in, we've had three different lead scores. Are you predicting that for the fourth game? Who's the lead scorer for the Spurs tonight? DeJounte Murray, I think. I think he's going to have a really favorable uh, matchup here. Um, 
And yeah, I, I think he'll be able to get to his spots and, and have an effective scoring night. I think so too. Uh, it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Uh, the, the Lakers are motivated to kind of shake some of the bad vibes. This is a good team for them to do that against, I think. Yeah. Uh, but the Spurs are looking to go to 500, and this is also an opportunity for them. Uh, of, of the next slate of games, if they want to win one of the next three, this is the one yeah. to win. This is the most winnable looking. <laughs> so before we uh, all bunker down to watch the Lakers game, I just wanted to share some news with you all. No, we don't need to do that. <laughs> you can fast forward if you don't like uh, bad yeah, news. Yeah, no, stop. We try to end the, the, the podcast on good notes, but... Uh, Stop, this, don't do it. Um, this is my last episode of the Big Fundamental Podcast. Um, uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from this. I'm going to do more reading than I normally do because uh, th- this podcast has meant so much to me and I want to make sure I say the right things. Um, the podcast is clearly going to go on with Tom at the helm and continue to be the best pod on all things silver and black. Um, fittingly, I've done this. This is the 69th official podcast recording since I started it in 2018. Nice. <laughs> Uh, Cameron and Songer, uh, former Ken's Five employee, and I started it then. Uh, we were just two guys chatting about the Spurs and, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, of planning into it. We, we listened to NBA podcasts and trying to figure out how we would do that was a thing. It was, it was all a passion project, you know, and it took whatever free time we had between the normal duties as uh, journalists at Ken's Five to put that together. Uh, for a while, you know, we'd go into a vocal tracking booth. Uh, I think one time we shared a mic and just went back and forth in that sense before we figured it out, recorded it into a free audio program. Uh, sometimes I'd bring my own audio equipment. We record in whatever empty room we could find. We've used a post-production studio, the green room for Great Day SA here, you know, when it, conference room on the third floor once with Joe, uh, you know, whatever was available for us, we did. Uh, Cameron was always really good at what he did. He was just really natural at it. Tom, you're the same way. I've always felt like I was, I was out of place in, in that sense. But, uh, you know, for a good year, it was a sandbox. You know, we, we tried new shticks. We had a segment for a while, Cameron and I did, uh, called Driving Us Batty in honor of Manu Ginobili. Um, and then we finally settled in. And that really uh, came to, to um, fruition in 2019. Evan entered the fold, Evan Klosky. Uh, while I was away, uh, my son was born. And I took a month off. And uh I always felt that's when the podcast really began to resonate with, uh, with you all, the Spurs community. And I came back, we worked Evan into the rotation. Cameron left shortly after, and then that's, that's when you entered the picture, Tom. And around that time, Ken's also kind of invested in our future. Uh, we got good mics. We have this studio kind of re-positioned kind of as a podcast recording space, good video in, sense, uh, in terms of that as well. Tom, Evan, and I got into a good rhythm and started really doing some of our best work. And I felt like sitting between Tom and Evan, I was always the avatar for Spurs fans. You know, I got to ask my two favorite basketball minds all the questions I had about the Spurs. I was able to learn more about analytics, you know, what stats are important and what matters. And I was also able to learn about what to watch for during the games. And that grew my passion, not only for covering this, but for the team as well. Um, I've always appreciated the respect, you know, that Evan, that Tom, that Joe, the other kind of pros at this gave like my takes and my conversations on the Spurs. Um, But I just want to say, Tom, truly... You are the best. I don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast can fully fathom the passion that he puts into his Spurs coverage and the podcast, uh, the wealth of ideas that he is chomping at the bit to bring to you all. Uh, the Big Fun Pod's only going to get bigger and better uh, as this continues. Um, but as, as for what's for me, you know, I'm stepping away from the newsroom. Uh, I'm, I'm switching gears uh, professionally. I'll, I'll still be among you, uh, offering all of my takes, my memes, my graphics on Twitter, just, you know, from a fan's perspective. Uh, but I do have just one final thought as, as a journalist, you know. This team is all fight. They're going to fight, win more blowout games than they lose because they're not going to let themselves lose by 20. They're going to win against teams with more superstars like the Lakers just on that energy alone and that fight. Uh, and so in that fighting spirit, I just have to say, go Spurs, go.
buddy. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna miss you so much, my friend. Um, and you, you are my friend. I've I've learned so much in my time working with you. Uh, and man, it's been a just a tremendous pleasure. Um, you're not gonna be able to get rid of me though, because you're staying in this city, and I'm still gonna be smoking you on the go kart track, and you know. Seeing your little kid hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, uh, but Tom I mean, bought my son his first Spurs gear. You know, he's got a Spurs jumpsuit that uh, he wears from time to time. It's going to be a power forward. School. Yeah. I'm excited. It's, it's going to be awesome. See, um, I, I love you too, man. Uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to catch up. I don't know if I said I love you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, did I step over bounds there? I, I do. I, You're my friend. I do love too. you, though. Yeah. I, I really do. And, and thank you so much for everything, man. You got it. All right, that's it for this episode of the Big Fundamental Podcast. You can find Tom Petrini at Real Tom Petrini on Twitter. He is headed to the Lakers game right now after we share a big hug uh, when the record stops. Um, nah, leave it going. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. Hug it on. Can you, can you guys hear the hugs here? There we go. Love you too, man. And I'm Jackson Floyd. The Ken, Big Fundamental Podcast is a Ken's Five podcast on the San Antonio Spurs, brought to you by Ken's Five the official station of the Spurs. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening.